Well, thank you so much, Harold, for being with me today on the Wave Capital's guest speaker series on relationship building in a team environment. You're my 41st guest on the podcast. How are you doing today? And Happy New Year. Thanks. Happy New Year to you. I'm, I'm doing fine. You know, we, we had a very interesting day in the office today. Uh, you know, we had some, some breaking news that we had to adjust to. So I'm uh, just happy to be able to pivot from that and to be on here and, and talk with you. And, you know, it's been a while, so I'm glad we get to catch up in this way and, you know, talk about relationship building. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well, Harold. Thank you so much. And I want to hear all about the breaking news, too, because that's really exciting. Uh, when you think about relationship building in a team environment, Harold, what does relationship building mean to you? It means everything, to be honest. Um, I think everything in my life is about relationships, whether it's working relationships, you know, family relationships, you know, the relationship with my wife, friends. I think it plays a part in everything that I do. Um, and being in the industry that I'm in for 16 years, it's been all about relationships. You know, the job I have now is because of a relationship that I, you know, established back at ESPN. And so, you know, I, I think they they mean a lot. Um, and I think, you know, there's multiple ways to have different relation, relationships. Doesn't mean that one is necessarily better than the other, but you know, I think a lot of times it depends on a, a personality that one person might have, and you might have to treat that relationship differently than with somebody who might be a little bit more introverted. You have a different relationship as opposed to someone who's extroverted. Could be a difference between man and woman and how you approach that relationship. So I think it's uh, it, it's not a hard and fast rule on how you should have one, um, but I believe that having multiple is very important for a variety of different reasons, and you have to approach one, each one differently. And you know, I think that that's the best way to do it. Definitely. I believe that relationship building is the essence of human evolution and sustainability of us as human beings and how we interact and coexist, you know, with one another and, you know, within a family, a business, you know, you see it in government, you see it in any type of entity, right? Professional and personal related. So with respect to how you feel about relationships, which you just explained so well, when you think about like growing up and talk to me about your time in your childhood and when you started realizing how important relationships were and even carrying on to when you went to Michigan State and we worked together at ESPN, which was an exciting time. Look forward to hearing more. Yeah, I would just say I learned a lot from my parents at a young age because they were both in education. Uh, my dad was a math teacher and my mom was an assistant principal term principal who also taught at a community college. And it would just be interesting to me, like whenever we're out somewhere, whether, uh, you know, we're grocery shopping and I'm a kid, you know, riding along with them or, you know, how when you're you're a kid and you're running errands with your parents and then you see somebody that's like, hey, you taught me back in, you know, 19, whatever. Oh, I loved your class or, oh, you were the best principal. And just the fact that the relationships they made with those kids who are now adults, who are now parents, and to hear them, you know, talk so glowingly about my parents and the impact that they had on their lives at such a, a young age and how that stuck with them, you know, for years and years and years. It, you know, it really, you know, sparked something in me like, OK, you know, if you you can start building relationships at a very young age and sure. there, there's no uh, there's no time limit on it. There's no age limit on it. You can start 
those right away. Um, I would say my three best friends, you know, one of them I've been friends with for, you know, nearly 30 years, uh, the other one for about 25 and another one for about 20. And those were the, my groomsmen in my wedding. And so, and we still talk to this day. I've seen them all, you know, in 2022, even though we're scattered across the country, like relationships are very, very important to me. Um, my parents were a huge, huge reason for that. Um, and I try to, you know, obviously I'm not in teaching, but whenever I cross somebody, I try to make sure I establish a relationship. Um, and hopefully it's a memorable one where in the case of, I see them, you know, five years later, 10 years later, two months later, whatever it is, it can still be an enjoyable experience uh, once we see each other or talk to each other again. Well, it's great that you speak about your three best friends and talk so fondly of your parents. And it's like time stands still. You know, you haven't seen your friends in a while. And like you said, they're spread out across the country. And then when you reconnect with them and you talk to them, it's like nothing ever changed. And that's the beauty of relationship building. You know, you get a relationship build with, friends who you've known for so long and there's never really a maturation point it keeps on maturing and evolving you know throughout the course of a person's life and then building relationships with new people you meet in your daily journey uh wherever that may be professionally or personally so when you think about perhaps specific examples of times where you felt that building relationships meant a lot to you with mentors. Talk to me about your mentors as well. And are there other specific examples with respect to your best friends that you speak of? Um, I think one thing I learned from my mentors, and, and these are guys who have been in our industry for, for years and years and years, and they're very well accomplished people, but that they still take the time out of their day to make sure to you know, reach back and try to help those who can get to the level that they're at, um, whether it's you know via text, whether it's a Zoom, whether it's, hey, I'm in town, let's meet up for dinner or lunch or whatever the case may be. The fact that they still take their time uh, when they don't necessarily have to, they're very busy, whether they have families or they're on, they're on TV or on the radio, whatever the case may be, they still find that time to interact and to you know make sure we still have a relationship. And so whenever someone reaches out to me with help for something, like I want to be able to be available for them to, you know, pay it for essentially. You know, someone did it for me, it's my job to pay it forward to the next person. And hopefully that person can pay it forward to the next person. Like you said, with evolution, that's kind of how it's supposed to work. You know, it doesn't necessarily work like that all the time, but I certainly try to keep that in mind. If, if my mentors who are, you know, very well established and very comfortable, um, you know, in their careers, still find the time to help someone like me who's trying to still get to, you know, next levels. Um, and, you know, it, it, I think it speaks volumes and, you know, I certainly try to keep that in mind whenever I meet the next person. Of course, the relationship building really helps a person really achieve their goals and, you know, to dream big and Big Ten Network. So, I had to point that out there because it's on your jacket, but wasn't supposed to be a, a reference in that manner, but I just thought of it. But being able to, you know, grow and to dream and to never give up and always go after whatever you set your mind to. And there are no limitations. 
and it takes a village. It takes a lot of people to be in your corner and for you to be in their corners uh, to be able to you know, achieve great things and have common goals. And that's really what allows, again, the evolution of humanity to continue thriving and growing. And again, human beings are imperfect. We're not perfect people, we're imperfect, but the imperfections are what makes people so special. And as long as people are genuine and honest and really do things the way they're supposed to do them and be you know, model citizens and to give back to the communities and give back wherever they can, um, that's really what makes a life well lived. And that's why I love talking about relationship building. And it's so refreshing to hear about how, whether your parents or your best friends or even people within your network, that you're constantly keeping in touch with them and it makes you feel good. It makes them feel good that you're always thinking of each other. I'm sure, I would imagine a lot of that started in high school for you, perhaps, and maybe even at Michigan State. Talk to me about some of the relationship building that you experienced in that part of your life. Um, I'd say even before college and even before high school, um, like I was saying about uh, you know, the guy I've known the longest, you know, I used to play chess uh, growing up um, in middle school. And so uh, being in Detroit, playing it, you know, at the time, like I was one of the best players in the city for my age group. And I would play against, you know, people from other schools. And I wound up getting really cool with one because he was at the same tournaments I was. And we eventually became uh, teammates in high school after being rivals for, you know, two or three years. And so that bond just strengthened and strengthened and strengthened. And, uh, you know, it's to the point now where, you know, I was the best man at his wedding. You know, he's the best man at my wedding. And, you know, I just went to see him in St. Louis not too long ago. You know, the fact that, you know, I'm the uncle to, you know, his two kids, you know, just the fact that, you know, something, as that started out as an activity became a lifelong friendship, uh, you know, a brotherhood. And, you know, I think that just kind of continued when I got to high school and, you know, I met, met a guy there who, you know, in ninth grade, we we're in the same, you know, chemistry class or whatever. And, you know, we just got cool from there and we eventually became college roommates and, you know, we still talk. And again, I'm the, the uncle to, you know, his three daughters. Um, and then when I got to college, it was a guy on my floor as me and my friend from high school were roommates. We met another guy who lived down the hall and like we talk still to this day. And, you know, I went and saw him when I went back to Michigan in December. He happened to be home, too. And so we got the link up. And, you know, I just think from there, just the fact that, again, I was used to relationship building from a young age from my parents, me and my sister are still super close, even though we're six years apart. Um, but we both had the Michigan State connection from there. That She's a big reason why I even went to Michigan State. So I think just the relationships that were built from a young age pretty much formed my entire life. Sure. And, you know, to your point, you know, relationship building that you pointed out with respect to your parents, I mean, that's not even part of school. I mean, that's in your youth and at home or when you're running errands with your parents. And then the other part of the relationship building that you speak of with your friends, I mean, that even goes back, yes, you are correct, way before college, way before high school, even probably elementary and middle school. 
So it's really great. I love how so many different aspects of your life and relationship building that you can point to and all evolved simultaneously, which is really exciting. When you think about coming out of Michigan State and thinking about your time at ESPN, and we worked together for uh, the ESPN College Ball Live studio production, you know, in Studio G, that whole crew was very exciting in Bristol, Connecticut. And I was a production assistant every Saturday. You were the stats information guy who was working with me. And that was very exciting. And we got to work with you know, Lou Holtz, who was my first guest on my podcast, the legendary Lou Holtz, College Bowl Hall of Famer, national champion of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Got to work with one of the 100 greatest Redskins, Washington Redskins, which is now Commanders, Mark May. We got to work with Jesse Palmer, you know, the late John Saunders, Scott Van Pelt, John Anderson. Got to work with a lot of interesting, exciting people. And, you know, there was some overlap, I remember. You know, we got to still work with Todd McShay and Reese Davis and Robert Smith. So it was it was an exciting time. Talk to me about the relationship building that you experienced working with all of those uh, gentlemen. And we also got to work with Wendy Nick. So we did get to work with Wendy as well. I'd love to hear about your uh, narratives during that exciting time in that 2011 college football season that we got to be a part of that team together. Yeah, the, the college football experience was uh, was very important for me. It was very big for me in my in my journey to where I am now. Um, I think I got there a little bit before you. I started in October of 2006 out in Bristol. Um, and I pretty much started in college football, you know, right off the bat because uh, college sports are where my passion lies, you know, football and basketball. Depending on the day, it's probably interchangeable in terms of which one is my favorite. But I know football usually pays the bills more so than any other. So that's kind of where my bread is buttered. Um, I would say to this day, you know, Reese Davis, I consider a friend. Um, you know, we, like you said, we worked with them on College Football Live. But, you know, those College Football Final shows with Reese, Mark, and Lou, you know, I was on that show for years and years. And, you know, the fact that, you know, I was able to do a good job the fact that they took me in, you know, made me feel like part of the team. I can still, you know, text Reese, you know, here and there to this day and, and he can respond back. And I, our birthdays are about a week apart. So I always know in December I can reach out to him, you know, wish him a happy birthday. He'll do the same. Uh, you know, Dari Noka was another guy that we worked with, you know, that, you know, I still talk to from day to day. And I think the the biggest thing for me was when I moved out there, I didn't really know anybody. I was 22 years old, fresh out of college, never lived outside of Michigan before. I get to Connecticut. You know, luckily, because of my my upbringing, I was always just talking to people and, and building relationships. And so I got very comfortable in a place where I didn't know anybody. And, I, I you know, I, I made it seem easier than probably what it was. Um, and, you know, I was just able to meet a lot of people through that. And because of relationships that I built um, at ESPN, um, there was a coordinating producer there who eventually came to the Big Ten Network. Um, and, you know, we're both from Michigan. We're both, you know, diehard about our teams. You know, he, he was for the other school in that state. But, um, you know, I don't hold that against him. Right. <laughs> but, um but no, he was instrumental in, in bringing me to Big Ten Network. And, 
because of that, I have the life that I have now where, you know, I've been married for six and a half years and, you know, I've lived here for nine and it's all because of a relationship that I built over time at ESPN. My whole life is based off of relationship building. And so it is not something that I take for granted whatsoever. That's awesome to hear, to speak with you. You're my former colleague at ESPN and talk about all the different relationships that you built and that they overlap with even the relationships that I got to build with so many people in Bristol. And I like that you can think so highly and fondly of all the different relationships that have mattered so much to you. And that's so great that you still keep in touch with Dari. And, you know, I've been in contact with him over the years and Reese Davis, who I got to know well and work with him and such a great guy. And, you know, one of my previous guests, uh, Seth Greenberg, who works with Reese Davis at ESPN on the college basketball side of things. And it's great because I went to high school with Seth Greenberg's daughter, he ended up then, after this time at the University of South Florida, coached at Virginia Tech, and one of my other guests, Roland Lazenby, who wrote the book, Michael Jordan, A Life, he actually taught Seth Greenberg's daughter at Virginia Tech, which is which is interesting. Uh, so, you know, you just see all these, like, different times of your life. I mean, I was even, like, a summer camp or part of the basketball camp, Seth Greenberg's basketball camp at the University of South Florida, which you're talking about well over 20 years ago. But it's really interesting, you know, how things can come full circle and having the opportunity to reconnect with Reese through you is relationship building. I'd love to have him as a guest on my podcast because I think his life with everything that he's done and everything that he's accomplished in his life is the epitome uh, of relationship building. And so that's so really cool that you keep in touch with Dari and you keep in touch with Reese and that you even talk about the coordinating producer that helped you get from uh, Bristol to the Big Ten Network. And you said being married for you know six and a half years now. And you know, you're a Midwest guy. You're from the Midwest. And to be able to work at the Big Ten Network and get to raise your family and enjoy life in that part of the country, it's home to you. And so when you think about your roles, how they evolved from ESPN to the Big Ten Network, what made you or what did you like about the stats and information, you know, side of things? You know, what drew you to that part of the industry or or which is a very critical part of sports, all the stats and everything that you have to research on and everything that you have to report on, it it tells the story. You can see the highlights, right? I'm the, I was a production assistant editing the highlights for Baseball Tonight or Sports Center or ESPN college football and college basketball specialty shows and working with you on every Saturday, making sure I'm getting the shot sheets to all the anchors and they're reading off the highlights and we're working 13 hour days every Saturday. And, you know, there were even a few snowstorms. I remember I was caught in one of the snowstorms in, in October of 2011. I remember in my, yep. my Jeep and trying to get home to Bristol from the campus to downtown Bristol or wherever I was, the neighborhood I was living in at the time. You just remember all those things vividly. You know, you can put yourself back in that time it was like a different life, but it didn't feel like such a long time ago. But so when you think about just how that evolved for you, what did, what drew you to stats and information? 
So before I answer that, I want to go back to the Seth Greenberg situation because I have sure. an indirect tie with him. Um, cool. We worked together very briefly uh, before I left in 2013. But the guy who works, who's the researcher now for the College Game Day show, he's a big reason why I am where I am today as well. So I helped him get into business in 2008 because he was friends with people I went to college with. We were at a journalism convention. He saw me. We remembered each other from mutual friends. We wound up, you know, I introduced him to some people. He wound up getting his foot in the door. We eventually lived together in uh, New Britain, Connecticut, in a house. Sure. He was dating a woman who is now his wife. Because of, of that relationship, his wife is best friends with my now wife. Wow. And so I, when she, exactly. So when she moved to Connecticut, I would ask her like, hey, what's, going, what's up with your friend, yada, yada, yada. And so because of the relationship I had with him and the relationship he had with her, I was able to meet my now wife. So all be, it all ties in together. Definitely. Um, so, but back to your question in terms of, you know, the, the route that I took to get to this point, I was just always fascinated with numbers. And I think a, a big reason for that was because my dad was a math teacher. Um, I think I was just always fascinated with that and with sports in general. It was always on in the house. My dad was always watching basketball. Um, I was a ball boy at University of Detroit. I would go to the games with him all the time. And for whatever reason, I just always took to the numbers part. I would always look at the scoreboard and see how many points someone had um, in middle school and high school. I was always curious, like, okay, well, who's doing what? You know, who's impacting the game? And, you know, those things aren't available in middle school and high school. So, like, I took it upon myself to, like, do stats for high school basketball. Um, and, you know, I would travel with the, the boys team and the girls team. And, you know, I kind of made my niche that way. Um, I think it just kind of carried on from there. Um, and the way I look at it now, I didn't know there was a research position. You know, when I graduated college, I had no idea that field existed. I thought it was mostly just the on-air people looking up their own stuff. And you're like, man, where'd they get, this, get that stuff from? And now I know there's a, a department full of people in ESPN right. space that provides a bunch of that information. And you know, in a lot of places around the country, even if there's not, you know, as many people as it is at ESPN, there's somebody or there's a small team of people providing information for people. Um, that that definitely stuck out with me. And, and the way that I look at it now, the way it's evolved, you know, there, it's way more, you know, data than ever before. And it's a part of being able to tell the story to the viewer who might not understand why certain numbers matter, you know, you see all of these things about, you know, in football and basketball, uh, you know, true shooting percentage in football, or you might see, you know, the, the FPI that, you know, ESPN uses, or you might look at, you know, throws 20 yards down the field and how it's different than just a regular completion percentage. There's, there's just so much more data now, and there's so many ways to tell a story. I just feel like I'm a storyteller, but I just do it with numbers. And I think it's my job to, make sure that whoever is reading or watching this stuff 
that we're doing, making sure that they have a better understanding of the game that they watched or the game that they're about to watch than they did before they cut the TV on. Definitely. And it's intricacies of your role and working with your colleagues at the Big Ten Network when it comes to the stat side of things and having to do all that research and having to pick and choose how you want to explain certain things happening in a real-time game, right? Or when the anchors or the reporters or the play-by-play commentators, they have to use all the stats and the information that's gathered in real time, and they have to draw back to, let's say, previous games or previous years. And it's so exciting because if you really are a fan of sports, if you really love sports, definitely appreciate that part of the business and it's a critical part as i mentioned because if you're just watching a game or you're just watching a broadcast i mean that's a good portion of what the anchors or hosts or reporters or play-by-play announcers they're using all of those facts and figures to explain what winning streak a team is on or how many touchdowns of this quarterback throw in fourth quarter games, how many comeback wins has he had? I mean, you just think about Tom Brady passing Peyton Manning on most fourth quarter comeback wins in a in a career in a National Football League. I mean, that's that's exciting, right? I mean, and that to me is what really makes a broadcast is when you can point to facts and figures. You know, oh, 100%. Yeah. And just a side note with respect to Seth Greenberg, he actually also went to the same school as my parents, Fairleigh Dickinson University in Teaneck, New Jersey. He was a 1978 graduate. My mom was 1975. My father was 1974. I don't think they had ever met at the time when they were at Fairleigh Dickinson, but my dad did meet Seth Greenberg when I was a basketball camper at the University of South Florida for a couple of summers. But going back to your point, just was a side note, but going back to your point about, you know, stats and information, what in recent weeks or months, what certain stats did you come across that you were like, wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. I really like that. I want to do more research on that. And also, I remember how much you had to keep track of and how much information you had to gather and how much research you had to do even in those Saturday hourly, you know, 13 hours, but every hour you're having to gather more information. You're, you have the three by five note cards and you're handing it to either Jesse or Mark or Lou or Reese or Todd, Wendy, I mean, whomever. What allowed you or what did you think of, this is an interesting stat that I need to do research on. I need to give this to them. Is it something that you just thought of or talk about the relationship that you had to build with them and you had to think right on the same page, like, hey, this is what I think that they're going to be looking for or this is what they might expect from me. So probably a lot of parts mentalizing and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of things are happening, a lot of moving parts. And especially now, even compared to your ESPN days, now, Big Ten Network and how things have evolved and technologies involved and and, and 24 hours, seven days of constant sports and constant having to keep on top of things. So how has it helped you in your role and progressing even from your ESPN days? Uh, I would say a lot of it really depends on the person you're giving the information to. Um, 
I know some people are very much into advanced stats. And so if I'm if I can find something that's really cool that they're already comfortable using, I'll be more than happy to give it to them. There are others who are very traditional, you know, traditional box score stuff, like your just your normal passing yards, rushing yards, receiving yards, your, you know, they shot this from the floor, they had this many points, this many rebounds you know, this many assists, they, they might not care about assist percentage, they might not care about turnover rate, they might not care about two point percentage or true shooting percentage. So I think a lot of it just kind of depends on who you're working with, their your comfort level with them. Um, I also think that over time, you develop a trust with people, you know, you've worked with them for so long, you kind of know what they're thinking, they know what you're thinking. They they trust you to find whatever you think is the best story to tell, as opposed to just saying, hey, I want to do something on this. They'll kind of leave it up to me and say, hey, you know, we're going to need something off of this game. Give me what you think is best. Um, when when you get to that point in a relationship, I think it's kind of a badge of honor, so to speak, where it's like, OK, they they trust me enough to just, you know, kind of let me do my thing, which is always you know kind of been my goal. Um, you know, I feel like I'm pretty good at, at what I do and, you know, the fact that you kind of allow me to, you know, paint, paint my own canvas, so to speak, paint my own picture. You know, I definitely take pride in that. Um, I'd say having a, an open mind and, and reading a lot and looking at different, you know, sites and blogs and talking with friends can sometimes spark a conversation for a note that you might not have thought about. Um, a guy I did a podcast with and a guy that I used to work with, um, who is now working with Warren Sharp. He does a lot of really, really good stuff on college football. Um, and you know, we did, once we did the podcast over the summer, we still kept in touch and he did some stuff for the playoff. And obviously with Michigan and Ohio state, both being in the playoff, it was a busy time for me, uh, you know, trying to put everything in perspective there. And, you know, I think the feeling around here was that. You know, Michigan would kind of just do their thing and, you know, Georgia would do their thing and they would meet in the championship game. And the more that I was kind of looking into it, I'm like, I think TCU matches up a little better than, than people would think, like based on the numbers. And it looks like Ohio State matches up much better with Georgia than people think. And so, you know, I was able to, to think on that. And I saw a piece that that my colleague wrote and I was like, huh okay, like, let me look into this a little more. And it was more about, you know, how, you know, Michigan doesn't really create negative plays. And so TCU's really good. Like, once they get past the line of scrimmage, they could do some really good things. And, you know, that might not be the case against Georgia, but against Michigan, like, this could work. And, you know, similar with Ohio State's, like, you know, their receivers, you know, they get open, you know, certain amount of time. Georgia doesn't pressure the quarterback like they normally do. And you're looking and you're like, like there, there might be something here. There's a story to tell that Ohio State has a chance to win this thing or that Michigan better be careful because TCU can match up better uh, than you would originally think. And so I wouldn't say there's – I think it certainly helps to have a knowledge base where you look at something and you're like, this seems rare, let me look into it, as opposed to, oh, this happens a lot of times, it's not a big deal. Uh, but other times, you know, you just might not be thinking about it and it just happens to come up in a conversation or it comes up in something you read and you're like, huh, light bulb goes off. OK, let me look into this. OK, this is nothing. Or, ooh, 
this is really good. Let me dig deeper. Oh, it's even better than I thought. Let me dig deeper. And then you figure it out and you come up with like a, oh, I got it. I know how I'm going to say it. I know how I'm going to present it. And, you know, there's not there's not an exact science to it, but that's kind of how my brain works in terms of trying to put the best story out. And you definitely create your own ways of doing things and you have your own philosophy that you've implemented and it works very well for you. And I'm sure people, others in your role, you know, at other networks, let's say, I'm sure they have figured out what works best for them, but you're definitely a pro. You've been doing this for a long time and I consider you probably the best I've ever seen because, and maybe I'm a little bit partial to the fact that we work together, but I'm sure others who I could recall working with, obviously they were very good at what they did, but I guess because of the fact that I worked with you the most and I got to see like how you really were so good at what you did or currently do, you're on top of things, you're very much knowledgeable, you research, you have a passion for what you do, you love what you do. And I think the relationship building aspect of it all makes you do your job even better. I mean, I know that you hear that phrase, we've heard it before, that it's not work if you love it. You know, you're not really working if you have a passion for what you're doing, you're, you're really enjoying it. it, doesn't feel like work. Well, you definitely have to put a lot of work into your passion and you definitely have to put a lot of work into building relationships and the relationships that a person forms throughout their life it allows them to do their jobs easier you know be a better parent be a better employee or be a better friend or be a better advocate for whatever you're trying to accomplish whatever you believe in whatever your passions are so I definitely talking to you and you explaining all the intricacies of your job, it speaks to the passion you have and it speaks to how many relationships you have to rely on to make sure that you're doing your job exceptionally well, as well as your colleagues doing their jobs exceptionally well. And you all looking for each other because you know you can count on each other and you know you can rely on each other. And that if let's say there is or there are breaking news happening you're able to help each other and assist each other. And in such a fluid, effortless situation that's occurring because you you all are on. So when you think about, let's say, if breaking news happens, like how did you, and I know that you're at the Big Ten Network, and this was a, a game in the NFL, but when the DeMar Hamlin incident occurred and he was on the field and then he had to get CPR and he was transported to the hospital, what were you and your colleagues, you know, assessing or what was being discussed amongst you all at the Big Ten Network? What information you were gathering or what people were talking about? Because from a statistical standpoint, very rarely that you see an athlete like that uh, have an incident like that, even despite the risks that there are in the NFL. But you rarely see something like that. And statistics doesn't have to necessarily be what individuals have done on a football field. Statistics can also be discussed amongst the medical community and the medical professionals who see something like that happen and the rarity of that. So 
what were some of the things, because that was so recent, what were the, some of the things that you were hearing about that situation? So I know from a network standpoint, we didn't do a ton on it just because, well, at least in the moment, we didn't do a ton on it. Because that same day, Penn State just won the Rose Bowl and Rutgers just beat Purdue, who was number one at the time, on a last second three-pointer. And so we had to do post-game coverage of that, react off of that, react off of Penn State winning to kind of take the sting sure. off the college football playoff. And so I didn't see the Hamlin uh, situation live. Like I, I was on Twitter uh, kind of catching up on stuff and then I heard it get worse and worse. And, you know, we're in a control room at the time as this is happening and I'm kind of alerting people because everybody's so locked in on the show. I was, you know, the, the brief moment I had, I was like, oh, wow, like this is, that was some really big stuff happening. Um, from a personal level, um, I followed this story because uh, a friend of mine who, and I always joke with my wife about this, a friend of mine who my wife took and basically made her friend now, uh, she's a reporter. And as this was happening, she got contacted from her company while she was at my house, like, hey, we need you to go to Cincinnati to cover this story. Wow. And you need to be there in the morning for like a mm. live hit. And so she left my house uh, to go like get the rental car, drive to Cincinnati. And she followed the story, you know, that way for a whole week. And it was funny because Coley Harvey, who is, you know, who did a fantastic job and is still doing a fantastic job covering the story for ESPN as a reporter, I worked with at Big Ten Network for a couple of years. And so it was great, you know, kind of following his coverage of it. And then I told my friend who was down there, like, hey, if you see Coley, make sure like you guys talk to each other. Uh, you know, you could say you knew me if you need an icebreaker or whatever. And so I was able, like she's, she sent me a pic of the two of them you know, smiling or whatever. And so from a personal standpoint, the the relationships that I built, again, with the relationship building, the relationships I built for, you know, with multiple people who had nothing to do with each other, wind up meeting each other together because they knew me. And, you know, it was a national story that happened in sports. And she's not a sports person at all. But the fact that, you know, a national sports story happens and because of relationships that I had, they were able to meet each other, you know, to cover this huge story. Um, just from a network standpoint, I know we kind of discussed, you know, a couple of days later, you know, or, you know, I'd say probably a Tuesday or Wednesday on our morning show, you know, just kind of the, the reaction, you know, from doctors, we'd have them on to kind of talk about, uh, you know, the the pro the the probability of something like this happening and how rare the situation is, um, but like you said, since it was an NFL game, we didn't spend a ton of time on it. But obviously, it was a national story, and so you know we tried to figure out the best way we can cover it from a Big Ten angle or from a collegiate angle. And I was uh, to you know have doctors on and kind of talk about you know what it is that they deal with with athletes in our league, uh, you know on a daily basis. And, you know, if you think about it, a couple things. One, for a national story like that, with respect to DeMar Hamlet, and first and foremost, thank God he is okay. He was discharged. 
from the Cincinnati hospital. Then when he got transferred to the Buffalo hospital, then he got discharged from there and he's making remarkable progress. Thank God he's okay. Just praying for him and his family. We all were praying for him and his family and his health and safety is the most important thing. So thank goodness that the Buffalo Bills organization from the ownership all the way to the players and staff and coaches and managers and all the medical staff, you know, at both hospitals, as well as, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills, their medical staffs. I mean, everybody was singularly focused on the health and safety of DeMar. So thank goodness. And it's wonderful because even though you work at the Big Ten Network, the Big Ten has an appreciation with respect to, obviously, like every other network, prioritizing the health and safety of collegiate athletes. So when they see something of this magnitude happen in the NFL, all the college teams across the country and all those medical staffs that are assigned to those teams or work for those teams or part of those teams, I would hope that they all had a lot of different conversations and look at DeMar's incident as a um, example of how you quickly, assertively are there taking care of the patient and making sure the patient comes out okay. And that, I would hope, all the college medical staffs across the country take note of that, because that's the right way of doing things. And the medical staff and key individuals were applauded for their efforts. And the doctors were even applauding the medical staff's efforts for making sure that DeMar was okay. So that's relationship building too. When you have, again, within the Big Ten network, I'm sure your colleagues, the managerial level at the network, they're probably hearing things maybe from Big Ten coaches, players and reactions. And, you know, it's being discussed still, even though it's not the National Football League. But again, you're one step or one level removed the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the SEC or the ACC and all the different conferences. I mean, they're one step removed from the NFL, you know, as far as football goes. So they take a keen interest in what's going on. But again, the fact that your relationship or relationships rather allow those two people to meet under, you know, the circumstances of DeMar's incident, I mean, that probably happens in so many different, or I'm sure it happens a lot in so many different instances across the country where people had to meet at a certain place and cover a story. And now that they know each other and they wouldn't have known each other if that incident with DeMar didn't occur. So I'm glad you pointed that out in terms of relationship building. Um, And I'm pretty sure that you found that to be special that you could have been a part of that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, You know, kind of to your point about, you know, being one step removed. You know, I feel like, you know, the the NFL had the right protocols in place and, you know, it it saved his life. You know, the fact that, you know, they had, you know, team trainers ready to go, had, you know, CPR treatment were able to, you know, revive him enough to, to get to the hospital and to have the the medical staff there do what they needed to do to get him to a point now where he's back home 
you know, resting, you know, in Buffalo and, and, and getting treatment and things like that. I, you know, the fact that this all happened so fast in a week and we didn't even know if he was, you know, going to live. And now, you know, he's, you know, essentially fine, which, you know, it's, it, it's a miracle. Um, but yeah, to, to your point about the relationships, you know, I just, I think it's, it, it, it was cool for me just to see, you know, someone that I knew here that, that worked hard, but, um, you know, was just trying to kind of figure out his way, you know, landed back on his feet at ESPN and, you know, just essentially crushed the story and is still crushing it. And the fact that, you know, my friend who is also a reporter that I had known since college, uh, you know, took the same journalism classes together. And the fact that, you know, she's a rock star, you know, even more so now than what she was, the fact that I was able to, you know, have relationships with both. And even though they didn't know each other, they wound up meeting, you know, because of me. No, I always think that that's pretty cool. That is really cool. And that's really, that's really special. And, and I'm sure you, and you have, and you've explained, you know, in our interview, how certain key interactions wouldn't have occurred if it wasn't you being the common denominator, which that's the essence of my podcast and all the interviews that I have with guests like you and everyone really appreciates these type of conversations because it brings them back to a lot of different times in their life where they think fondly of their childhood, times in school, times at college, on sports teams they played, on influential people they've met, the mentors who have mentored them and you know whether parents or whomever, close friends. And I could talk to you for hours about all the different narratives and stories that people have shared with me throughout my podcast so far and really have left indelible marks in my, in my mind that I really will carry me for the rest of my life because, you know, this is a portfolio of relationships who I've cultivated, some newer and some of more tenure like our friendship. So it's great that all of this is coming together and that we can have conversations uh, like these. Let's switch gears. A few more questions before we depart from our interview. I've been enjoying it so much, our conversation. Uh, when you think about the NFL playoffs, they're just days away. And we have wild card weekend and we'll know who the next Super Bowl winner is in the next four to five weeks. When you think about just how the season has progressed and I'm sure there are teams that you have been studying or looking at and what surprised you and what are you going to look for when it comes to uh, the NFL playoffs? And also, I'd like to ask you about what you've thought about the Big Ten this year since you work at the Big Ten Network. And were there any surprises with teams and in terms of Michigan was so close in winning their game to get to the national championship game? They were so close and Jim Harbaugh did a, an exceptional job. And I know that you're a Michigan State guy, so uh, I don't think there was any love loss there. But yeah, just talk to me about the NFL and then we'll switch gears to you know college ball. Exciting things that you saw maybe from a stats and information standpoint, but just want to get your perspectives from your vantage point as well about what you hope to see with the playoffs. Um, so I think, 
Well, first of all, it's a little bittersweet uh, for me because as a Lions fan, I was kind of, you know, holding on hope that the Rams would knock Seattle out. So the Sunday night game against Green Bay could be a winner take all situation. Um, that didn't happen. They lost in overtime. And even though the Lions were able to knock Green Bay out, they basically just had to play spoiler. They couldn't get in. So, you know, it's a little bittersweet watching the playoffs, knowing that we were, you know, right there, but just couldn't quite get in. Um, I think it's interesting that the NFC just has so many unproven commodities at quarterback. When you look at the 49ers, who I think are probably the best team, they're certainly the hottest team. Um, and they're starting to last pick in the NFL draft at quarterback. And you just kind of wonder, can you do enough? Can you win big games like that um, with that, you know, with, with Brock Purdy, you know, essentially being a seventh round pick? Now, granted, sure. the whole team is stacked defensively the best in football. It has been for a while. Got a stacked running back room as well. So he's clearly insulated and has good coaching. So he doesn't have to do everything. But, you know, it seems kind of weird that, you know, they're a favorite or a co-favorite with a with the seventh round rookie um, leading the way. Between him, you got Jalen Hurts, who's, you know, still very young, you know, still probably a little banged up. There just isn't quite the cachet at the at the quarterback position in the NFC when you look at, you know, Jalen, who's still young, and Purdy, who's a rookie, and, you know, Geno Smith, no one saw this coming from Seattle. You know, after the Russell Wilson trade and he makes the playoffs, you know, for the first time in 10 years. And, you know, you got Daniel Jones at quarterback and the Giants made the playoffs out of nowhere. And then you look at the AFC and you got Mahomes and Allen and Burrow and, you know, I mean, there's just so many of these guys that, you know, Justin Herbert's another one who is, you know, an emerging star. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, an emerging star. So you have just stacked quarterback play in the AFC. And the NFC is more of, you know, don't really know too much about him. We're going to find out a whole lot more, like you said, in these next three, four weeks. Uh, you know, outside of Tom Brady, it just really isn't a lot in the NFC that you uh, that you know about from you know previous history in the AFC, you know we've seen Mahomes and they'll probably win MVP again. And we saw you know Chiefs Bills last year, which was probably the best playoff game I had seen in years. Um, and the fact that you know Joe Burrow went in the Arrowhead and got it done last year, and can they repeat? And, you know, there's just I think there's just a lot more juice in the AFC, especially when you consider that the potential AFC championship game could be at a neutral site because of everything that happened with the DeMar Hamlin situation and that game being canceled, there just seems to be a lot more intrigue on that side. And so even though I'm an NFC guy, uh, I'm looking more forward for the AFC. Um, in terms of the, the Big Ten, the fact that we got two teams in the playoff for the first time was a really big deal, obviously. I didn't think the league was necessarily as strong as it's been in certain years, but I think sometimes that could be overrated. At the end of the day, people are going to see – you know, what teams finish in the top 10, which teams made it to the playoff. They're not going to care if, you know, eight or nine teams won seven or eight games. They're not going to care how many teams made a bowl. They want to see, you know, how many finished near the top. And that, that was certainly the case where you had Ohio State and Michigan both finishing in the top five. You know, the fact that both were, you know, maybe a touchdown away from playing each other for it all. And, you know, what is the best, you know, football rivalry in sports. 
you know, we could have possibly seen that on the biggest stage. Um, you know, I think it was a, a missed opportunity for sure, especially for Ohio State. The fact that, you know, they got a second chance, you know, after losing the way they did to Michigan. Um, the fact that Michigan's now beating them two years in a row. And it almost didn't matter in a way. If Ohio State beats Georgia and they were the better team for probably, you know, 90% of that game, you know, they're playing TCU for the title and they would have been a favorite to win it. And so I think the fact that, you know, it was a missed opportunity for both teams, there was a missed opportunity that we could have got, you know, the biggest Michigan-Ohio State matchup ever. Um, you know, it was, it was a little bittersweet there at the end. Um, it would have been, it would have made my life a lot harder from a work standpoint. But as a fan, that, that could have been a lot of fun to cover. And you, you always like think about, you know, what games didn't occur as much as the games that do occur. And that's just the beauty of sports. You know, there are upsets and, you know, everything with, you know, the college ball playoff and how I believe that they should expand it beyond just four teams. You know, maybe it should be expanded to eight teams because there are so many teams that whether they have maybe one or two losses, depending on what conference they're in, they're just as deserving to be in there as much as maybe like the undefeated teams up until that point. But I mean, you lose a game in college football, it's like everything compared to like the NFL, you lose one game. That doesn't really mean anything in the, in the grand scheme of things, because look at my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, eight and nine and they win the division. And yes, the division was a weaker division or weakened division this year. But as long as you have Tom Brady, uh, you definitely have a chance. And I I think that the Bucks are a sleeper team. I think that, you know, it's very possible that they can get hot at the right time and win four straight games, including the Super Bowl. But, you know, you want to respect Philadelphia. You want to respect San Francisco. You want to respect the New York Giants, any team in the NFC, really. And the same with the AFC. Can't count out Patrick Mahomes. You can't count out Joe Burrow. You can't count out Josh Allen. Uh, and then, you know, Brock Purdy, where where has he come from? You know, I mean, that's just great that the things that he's doing in San Francisco. So relationship building is all different forms. The relationship building that occurred in the DeMar Hamlin situation. What was so keen or what was so intriguing is that everybody forgot about football and they cared most importantly about the health and safety of DeMar. And I loved how humanity, and it was referenced a lot, that humanity was on display in that situation. And that, yes, we can go back to watching football games or basketball games. And you are in your position, the manager of research at the Big Ten Network, looking at and making sure that from a stats and information standpoint, that everything is accounted for, everything's included, everything is making all of these games and all of this coverage that much more exciting and being put into perspective. But when it comes to you know, a situation like DeMar's, people are not really thinking about the stats and information, right? They're, they're thinking about the health and safety of, of one individual. And it's like the whole world stops when, when that occurred. And again, thank God he's okay. But going back to our conversation, you know, before we depart from our interview, again, I really enjoyed the time with you today. What are things that maybe we haven't covered about relationship building that you feel our audience would definitely 
uh, enjoy or you'd want any parting words or messages for our audience uh, that we have not covered with respect to relationship building. And that can be things that you've personally experienced or in the general sense that people should keep in mind of how important relationship building is, whether in sports or out of sports. Um, I definitely think you you shouldn't be too big to build a relationship. You know, you should be able to talk to anybody, um, no matter you know what your stature is, no matter what your position is, no matter who it is that you you know might be talking to. You never know when you'll cross somebody again. You'll never know you know if you might need something down the line. And hey, because I was nice to somebody at some point they are now at a position where they could potentially help me or help a friend of mine out because of something that happened years ago. And we, you know, just because we were cool or I helped you with something or, you know, we were out experiencing the same thing and we, you know, we broke bread and had a great time and that particular interaction and relationship, you know, stuck with them and they wanted to, you know, help me out down the line. You just, you just never know. And I'm not saying to do it just because you might need something. I'm just saying it because I think it's essential for living. And the fact that, you know, you might need something down the line and that's great if it works out that way, but you might have an impact on somebody and you won't even know it. You know, you might meet somebody and give somebody some advice that, you know, really makes their day. It might completely change your perspective on something. It might, you know, set off a light bulb where it was a dream that they didn't even think was possible. And because you said some words of encouragement to them and, you know, you went about your day, but it completely changed course for them. They might have been, you know, down and out, potentially thinking about something really dark and you could, you know, potentially... You know, what you said might have brought light to their day and changed their whole perspective, changed the whole narrative. You know, again, the fact that relationships were so, you know, influential in my life and continue to be in my life, you know, they they mean everything to me. Um, I try to go out of my way to check in on the people that uh, that matter the most to me. If there are people I haven't talked to in a while, I try to reach out to them and just say, hey, how's it going? Hope things are well. You know, how's the family? You know, and it's like that with, with friends and, you know, former coworkers of mine, um, you know, in the ESPN research room, there are a lot of bright minds. And, you know, we were kind of scattered. We've kind of done our own thing, you know, whether we've gone to different networks or different locations, left the field altogether. But people are still, you know, doing really good jobs and still doing really good things. And and because of relationships that I've built with some of those people, they have still, you know, allowed me to evolve here at Big Ten Network. They've allowed me to try to, you know, make us more advanced, um, you know, in terms of, you know, advanced stats and things like that. I, if I had to offer one piece of advice, I think it would just be to be open to networking, be open to having a conversation. And I know that's easier said than done. Some people are introverts and really don't like to talk to people, but you just never know, you know, what one small conversation can do for the rest of your life. And so because of, because of that, 
I feel like you should just take advantage of every opportunity you have to speak to somebody. And definitely, and, you know, being a, in your case, a great husband, which I know family means a lot to you and being a proud son of your, your parents and, you know, also starting your family and have started your family talking about relationship building within your own family and how much that matters to you, given all of the great experiences growing up that you had and now that you want your children to experience that and obviously raising your children with your wife. Yeah, so that that that's certainly uh, on the goal. That's so, certainly on the goal board. I'll say that. Um, I know in terms of the relationships that I have with my family, uh, my sister and I, we talk constantly. Um, I'm always a factor in, you know, her life, her kids' lives. You know, those, those are my two guys, my, my nephews. Um, and I try to see them when I can. Our relationships with our friend group, you know, they they feel like family. Um, there's a group of us in Chicago here where because of relationships, we all are together. Um, a friend of mine that I worked with at ESPN uh, is from Chicago. When I told him I was taking this job, I said, hey, there's a position if you want it. He came on back. We worked together here for several years. Uh, at the same time where I, where I started to you know, have a relationship with my wife, she met a friend of hers uh, through a mutual friend that they had. They became really close. The, my friend and her friend met at a Super Bowl party. They are now married uh, because of relationships that we had. That's we so are cool. the God, we're the godparents to their son. And so, you know, again, relationship building, you know, just from that and the fact that, you know, because of friends that we've had, you know, we've kind of brought people into our, to the group. And so what might have started is, you know, two people has branched out to 10 or 12 and, and we're all close with each other because of relationships that we've all built over time. Again, you just never know uh, about what one conversation could do. You, you just never know, you know, what, what life will bring. And so you should just try to attack it the best way you can. Um, as you know, in terms of the family, you know, once we, once we get to that point, we're definitely going to use the relationships we have to, to try to, you know, have our village and, and raise our child when that time comes. And, you know, we'll have a lot of help from a lot of relationships that we built over time in terms of, you know, how do we, we raise these kids that, you know, I'm my uncle. It's a lot of different people, but you know, so, so I'll have a lot of, a lot of help along the way. Definitely. Definitely. And I'm so excited for you and what the future holds. And I'm so glad that you have a wonderful support system of family and friends and colleagues and, you know, just getting to be back in the Midwest, you know, and you have been back there for 10 years when you joined the, uh, Big Ten Network back in 2013. It's been a decade. Can you believe that? A decade is a Big crazy, Ten man. Network. That, that's crazy. amazing. That's awesome. So I'm so glad that our paths crossed at ESPN and I was able to work with you and meet you in 2011. And I'll remember those days very fondly and, and for the rest of my life. Thanks so much, Harold. You've been a great guest. Really enjoyed speaking with you on relationship building in a team environment. The Wave Capitals guest speaker series. 
and you're my 41st guest and look forward to staying in contact with you, seeing how things are going. I am so happy that we can reconnect. God bless. If you ever need anything, please don't hesitate to ask. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, this was great. You know, great conversation here. Um, it's a, a topic that's very, very important to me. So I'm glad we got to dive into it. And uh, best of luck. Best of luck to you going forward. This series is awesome. And so I uh, hope you keep it rolling. Thank you so much, Harold. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. Take care. All right, you too. Bye bye.